It is a true gift to be here with you all today on this Trinity Sunday, the first Sunday after Pentecost, and as we wrap up our sermon series on contemporary Christian music. Now, many clergy all around the country, and in fact, all around the world today on Trinity Sunday, look for other people to preach for them, and you will notice that Father Bob is not even here today. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not why he is visiting his parents, but we have a lot working against us when we try and talk about the Trinity. Not only is it probably the most difficult theological and philosophical concept to try to understand, but popular culture is also constantly working against us. Now, you all remember the famous Don McLean song, American Pie, right? And the three men I admire most, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They, I'm not gonna sing the rest, you know it, right? The problem, besides having a very masculine understanding of who God is, is that we do not worship three gods. We worship one God. So when we say that God is Trinity, we understand that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one nature, one substance, one essence. I love talking about the Trinity, uh, and in fact, we have a three-week series for our formation plan this fall to talk about the Trinity and the creeds. I hope you'll join us for that. And I'm so pleased that the song that we're talking about today, Reckless Love, has something really profound to teach us about who God as Trinity is. The song today, Reckless Love by Corey Asbury, um, is a really, really wonderful, sweet song. If you've never heard it before, you'll hear it in just a minute, um, and it really uh, is a very moving testament about God's love. I want to spend just a second thinking about that word reckless. That's not usually a word we associate with positive things, right? A reckless driver can hurt people. Those who are reckless Uh, with their money and finances, often find themselves without enough money to survive. And even with love, if we say that someone is reckless with their heart, we usually mean that they give give their heart away to another before they really even know that person. But God's love is different. God's love has no fear of getting hurt, mostly because God already knows God's going to be hurt and disappointed, but God decided long ago that creation was worth it anyway. That word reckless, it means out of control or marked by the lack of proper caution, careless of consequences. I think this is great. God loves us with a lack of proper caution. Amen? If God were cautious about how God loved us, we might not even exist. I mean, if you were careful about how much pain and loss and suffering you are willing to endure for your loved ones, you would certainly be careful about who you let into your life and about how close you allowed them to get to you. But God is not like that. God loves us completely without caution to how we might hurt one another or how we might disappoint God. God loves us towards our best selves, encouraging us to grow into the people that God has created us to be. Actually, God cannot help but to love us recklessly because that's who God as Trinity is. Now, there's two fundamental perspectives that we can bring when we begin to talk about the Trinity. On the one hand, 
The Trinity describes the way that we as Christians experience God, right? We know God as God is revealed through the prophets, through scripture, and in the person and life of Jesus Christ. And this revelation happens by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the gospel lesson today, we're reminded that Jesus isn't finished communicating to us and that the Holy Spirit will continue to lead us into all truth. That's usually what we talk about when we speak about God as Trinity. That's usually the perspective that's taught and preached about. But there's more. There's another perspective. On the other hand, when we talk about God as Trinity, we can also talk about God's internal life. This is where the mystics and the theologians kind of run together and speak perhaps more with poetry and awe and that kind of thing rather than sort of theological precision. So what I wanna do is I wanna borrow some language from the third century and I wanna use some of that to see what the poets and mystics say about the internal life of God. Once upon a time, way before the beginning of everything, not at the beginning, but before the beginning, God the Father, who is love, and who therefore must love recklessly. God the Father speaks his own name. He says his own word, and God the Son is begotten. True God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. The Son is the second person of the Trinity, and later, after the beginning, the Son will become incarnate by the Virgin Mary and will be born as Jesus of Nazareth. The Son is what happens when the Father expresses himself and when the Father reaches out his love. Now the Son loves the Father, for the Son is the Father's own word, the Father's very self. And the Father and the Son love each other totally and without reservation, so the Father and Son are bound together in love. And this love which binds them together, the Father and the Son, is also real. This love is God the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Spirit are of the same substance, the same stuff as the Father. That's the only stuff there is. And in this way, the Godhead is complete. Three persons, each distinct, each real, each from before the beginning of time, each and all are one God. Now, the oneness of God is discovered precisely in that free act of reckless love by which the three persons of the Trinity choose to give all to each other. This relationship is what makes God who God is. To put it another way, God is what happens when the Father loves the Son in the Spirit. This relationship of love, God, the Holy Trinity, is the foundation, the bedrock of all of creation. It's the heartbeat of the universe. Everything that is begins there. Everything has its purpose and its meaning in will find its fulfillment in God as Trinity. This is the center of the Christian understanding of who God is. We insist that God is not some mean old man with a beard, 
that God is not some unconscious force out of Star Wars, and that God is not some strange little committee made up of two men and a bird. (laughs) Instead, God exists at God's own heart as a relationship of love, one God and three persons, the wellspring of all existence. Now, God's will for you and for me, God's desire for us, is first and foremost of all that we choose to share in God's life. That we become more and more deeply a part of that conversation of love, that constant, obedient, and joyful relationship that is at the very core of who God is. After all, we are created in God's image, the image of the Trinity. So the more that our lives are shaped and formed by the life of love that we see in the person of Christ and in the life of God, the closer we get to our best and our truest selves, the more we become who we really are. Now, one thing that I love about the Book of Common Prayer and our hymnody and even a lot of contemporary Christian music is that they find their structure and their substance in the Holy Bible, God's love letter to us. And I'm not going to go line by line of this song, but I wanted to share some examples of where I think some of the lyrics from this song might be coming from. And I hope that they will speak to you about God's love in a really profound way. This song begins with these words, Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Listen to this passage from Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in the fourth verse. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I think there's a connection there with the words of the song and that passage from Jeremiah. And Later on, the song will sing these words. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down till I'm found. Leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Well, here's the first of the three parables in Luke 15. And all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which of you, having 100 sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. 
a little bit more from the song of the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah, when I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. A final passage is from 1 John chapter 4, beginning in the 7th verse. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we ought to love one another. My brothers and sisters, God loves us recklessly, and this is great news. It gives us the courage and the hope that we need to make it through all of life's trials and tribulations, And it also directs how we should live together with one another in this world. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. On this Trinity Sunday, we are reminded what it is that we believe about God. And in this knowledge, we understand only in as far as we love, without caution, without apprehension. We know God as Trinity in order to participate in the divine life of reckless love. And I want to finish today with a prayer from Patricia Wilson Kastner. Let's pray. O gracious Trinity, source of all life, word of truth and spirit of love, we praise you for your life of perfect communion of three in one, We pray that you will turn our injustice into justice, our hatred into love, and our oppression into mutual respect and care for one another. May our lives on earth imitate your life. As by your grace we share in your life and love, may we grow in communion with one another. We thank you for your goodness to us, Holy One, through Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Amen. The 
Tear down, coming after me.